If your business is earning millions, stop what you're doing and take a listen to what offer NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out. At my last company, we used NetSuite to have much more visibility to our business in terms of what was working, what was not working, what was coming in, what was going out. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their finances, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and much more. And for the first time, NetSuite is allowing you to defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. There's no payment and no interest for six months. And you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know the deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of this special financing offer at netsuite.com scale. netsuite.com scale to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. That is netsuite.com slash skill. Welcome back to the Uncharted Podcast. This is Poya. I have a good friend, Andy Mowat, who I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the last couple of months, really, but I've known you even beyond that. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Poya. It's great to see you. Yeah, great to see you as well. Look, we'd love to kick it off with a quick personal business bio. Give some context on who Andy is. I've got kind of two careers. I have the funky one before I figured out what tech was all about. And then I've run RevOps at Three Unicorns, Upwork, Box, and Coltramp. I've just had a really fun time building businesses at scale. I've enjoyed that 10 to 100 million journey twice and then the post-IPO journey once. I'd say I love data systems processes teams and go-to-market strategy. I tend to think about high-velocity businesses, really passionate about those. And then about three years ago, while at Coltramp, I was just so overloaded with email that I wrote an email, said, I don't know you. Here's my nonprofit. If you want to donate, your email will make it to my inbox. And people started donating. So about 50 go-to-market CEOs said over the course of a month said, God, you got to go do this. So I took money from, from them plus a couple smart funds and we built Gated. We filtered about a billion emails. We really caused the world to sit up and think differently. The reply rate on donated emails is 3%, which is unheard of. I think we found, we are shutting it down as you and I chatted about, just given the fact that we signed up you know, thousands of users, but it wasn't going to reach massive scale for a couple interesting reasons. And so we made the hard emotional decision to shut down and I'm starting to think about the next thing. A hundred percent. Well, thanks for sharing. Just for my own sake, what were some of the reasons you don't think it, it would hit scale? Like what were some of the top reasons? Andrew Chen, who has the cold start problem with the book, he always talks about the hard side, the easy side of the marketplace. The sender side just worked, right? Like senders started out hating us, but very quickly realized, wow, like this is a way to communicate in much more of a permission-based side. Our users loved us. Like every Everyone that used it absolutely loved it, couldn't live without it, is going to miss it and is asking me how they can pay to keep it. I think there were three reasons why we found the product was just more niche than we thought. Number one was security. We never looked at the contents of the email, but it freaked out corporate security teams. We had one CTO at a unicorn say, oh my God, our CMO at a unicorn say, oh my gosh, I need this. Took it to the security team and they're like, yeah, so that's going to be a five-month security review process, right? Like you can see how that goes. Number two was kind of the behavioral aspect, which I think we could have overcome. So Nir Ayal, who wrote a lot of the books around behavioral economics, he I got lucky enough to meet him through one of our investors. We talked for half an hour and I said, well, would you use it? And he said, no, I wouldn't. And I said, why? And he said, I'd rather be annoyed than annoy other people. Now, 
I think that is over when we were overcoming it over time. The third one I think was that everyone manages inboxes differently. And some people are fine. I think the people that got the most value out of us were the people who are like, you know, if we don't know each other, you're, you know, like you're going to have to figure out how to reach me. I think there were a lot of people that were worried about missing emails, not our users. They got, they figured it out, but people were deciding that before they were signing up. And I think it just all of these productivity tools, there's lots of different ways to use that. So for all three of those reasons, like our conversion funnel was awesome. It just was people are making a decision further up funnel. So I'd go to a party in the go-to-market world, you know, probably you were in some of these things too. And I chat with people and I was like, oh my God, gated. I know it. I love it. And I would ask, well, do you use it? And they're like, oh, you know, and so that was kind of like what was really, we just never, we had brand virality. We didn't have product virality to the extent that I felt we needed it to really put it down. That being said, we were damn close to like fundamentally rewiring how people go to market, making it a permission base that would have been better for literally everybody. Well, that's awesome to share. And thanks for being so open about it. I'm always fascinated when a successful exec goes and becomes a CEO is learning about like what was like unexpected. Like no matter how prepared you were, you're like, wow, this like really surprised me. There's the emotional journey. I think there have been, there were kind of two points when, you know, and I always tell myself, which is when you're riding the waves, don't ride up the tops of the high highs. And then like when you're at the bottom, like don't hit the bottom low lows. And so I was pretty good at it. But yeah, it's like, I think you put this on yourself of like, I've taken this money, I've got to succeed. And I it's been really invigorating as we've wrapped up. All of our investors have said essentially the same thing, which is, you know, we understood that this thing was absolutely massive, like would rewire if it worked and we had to take the chance and you gave it the best swing you could. But you hit, you kind of feel that on yourself as you're going through that and in a different way than if you're number two or number three at a company. So you realize just the burden that CEOs do carry. We forget sometimes CEOs are humans, you know? I've always like been a little too hard sometimes for CEOs <laughs> I work for. And I think you have to hold them accountable and like you set them in, but sometimes we forget the human aspect. That I totally agree. I mean, I won't name the company, but there's this one company that just got crucified because they took everybody to this amazing overseas destination and they came back and fired. 20% of the people. I mean, like that sounds bad. It looks bad. But the reality of life is that trip was probably planned a year ago. They prepaid for the entire thing and it was in a different market and a different time. And so they were faced with the choice of like, do we fire people before and then just have a total downer of a trip or do we do it afterwards? I feel like people are making the best decisions they can. Well, the only people I don't have sympathy for is the assholes. There are those CEOs out there that just are like, the term I've heard is chaos monkeys, right? Like they're just, they're they're causing just massive chaos and, and just not good people. But I think I try to be good people at every step, even when we had to lay people off. One other thing that really resonated with me was my board member, just really soulful around how he does like manage people out. And he said, there's the the story you tell them. And then there's the story you help them tell to the market. And that second part I thought was incredibly thoughtful. Let's talk about the RevOps background. One thing Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated, you've worked for three different companies. I think sometimes when I was a rep, I never understood the importance of, you know, Mm -hmm. data and, you know, doing it correctly and leaning in. And once you move over to the other side, you're like, wow, but now this makes sense and you scale it. And for whoever has been there, done that as like a sales leader, I would say nine out of 10 times, the number one thing they say, hey, I should have hired a RevOps person a little sooner, right? I'm curious from your perspective, like what is the right time? Like what should you look out for? Like when is the right milestones, anecdotes, data like that? You're like, okay, I should bring in a RevOps team, whether it's full-time, part-time. There's no perfect answer. If you're a CEO, like ideally your first sales leader or your first CS leader should be able to get their hands pretty dirty on systems. Like you don't need somebody until you're kind of building out 
teams of people and trying to scale it. And so I think I do see, I see very few companies hire it too early. I see a lot of companies hire it too late. Um, I don't have a perfect answer. I've got a fun article I wrote on scale rules. Like it's not just RevOps, but it's like customer advocacy teams, like professional services. Like I, I think a lot about how do you scale the org of a company, right? So at CultureAmp, we had all our reps just ping in the security team. Um, just like, you know, with HR data, it was really important. And so we eventually put like, one person in between and said the reps can only ping that person and then that person will ping security. So all of a sudden, like that person started, they brought in Lupio, they started creating efficiencies and systems and processes and the security team was totally like no longer beat up and they could focus on what they needed to do and the reps were getting more of what they needed. And so, you know, it's funny because most people think about RevOps just as the data system strategy, but I think all about it as like org structure, efficiency, funnel conversion, like all of that. That was a long-winded deviation of answering your question. But I, I tend to think of it's not like, I think you should be thinking always about how do you not just throw more bodies at the problem, but how do you build out scale within your organization? So to answer RevOps specifically, like I joined CultureAmp at 7 million in ARR, probably 2 million too late, but it was perfect, right? Like I got remit to solve all the problem and be the partners. And we were able to put the foundations into place to grow from like seven to well over a hundred million in just a couple of years. And so I think it depends upon are you a fast growing company? You know, probably hired a little bit earlier. If you're slow growing, like hopefully your leaders can hold it on for a little bit longer. And I, I gotta ask, as you bring this up, one of the things that's fascinating, you have you have the background for it, is like just this term of operations is like quadrupled. And what I mean by that is like marketing ops is a thing, sales ops is a thing. Mm-hmm. Now there's a thing called CS ops. Now it's rep ops. How do you look at it? Like, should you align everybody to, you know, be rolling up to one function and we just call it revenue ops? Or do you think every department needs to have its own operations underneath as well? I will never take a role where it's not cross GTM ops. I see too many problems where teams get siloed. I think I call it GTM ops. You know, ops and rev ops are effectively synonymous. To me, GTM ops is the better term, but I've lost that battle because GTM ops really is marketing ops, sales ops, and CS ops. I think what you've seen is a lot of teams rename themselves. The sales ops teams have renamed themselves rev ops because it sounds sexier, but they're really just doing sales ops. When I joined Coltramp, they were thinking about it across the full funnel. And that's really important to me, right? So I've been at companies where marketing will have a scoring system and sales will have their own scoring system, right? Like there's these people pointing fingers and they're not aligned on targets. They're like, my job and my team's job is to be the glue across what inherently are silos. And so I think it's the only way to be done. I was talking to somebody else at a hundred million dollar plus company yesterday. And they were like, yep, would never, never take a role. Otherwise, generally what I see is you know, companies will kind of go through this early on. It'll be just, you'll just hire just your sales ops. And then if you've got leaders that kind of want their own, you'll kind of like marketing will get their own person. And then essentially somebody has to be strong enough to like realize the power of it. But at some point, call it 20 million, 50 million, 70 million, you find that eventually you bring in like a C-level person across all of revenue. And that's when they typically like bring in someone like me to like fix it. I think the more forward-thinking companies like JD at CultureAmp like brought me in really early and we got it right from the beginning. And that's I think it's not the only reason we scaled so rapidly, but it definitely helped. If you could go back at the beginning of the gated journey and you're like, if there's one piece of advice you would give yourself, what would that be? I never look back. I don't. It's not advice to myself. I just don't look back. I probably spend 95% of my time worried about the future, 5% of the present and 0% of the past. I think 
a healthier one would be 95% of the present, 5% of the future, 0% of the past. But I don't look back. I don't, I, I mean, I I never would change a thing about the steps I've taken because I'm very at peace with like where I am at in life. I would more give myself advice, which is stop stressing about the future. It always tends to work out. And then I probably would be a better person. But like on the gated journey in particular, it's nothing I regret. It's- if I had to pick something, I probably would have hired a few less programmers earlier and stayed a little bit leaner and meaner. But our CTO kind of like, as we started to realize it wasn't scaling as fast, he had the maturity to say, listen, like, let me just go code. Like, I don't need all these people right now. It works itself out. Like in the end, we didn't stop gated because we ran out of money. We're going to return some money to investors. We stopped because we didn't see that massive engine that was going to do that. I had a very good discussion with my team around, I'm willing to pivot, but I'm not willing to restart. And I see a lot of companies that are why, you know, I don't want to stereotype, but there are a lot of companies that are restarting. And like I started gated to solve a problem that effectively I had created and understood, which was people didn't own their own attention. We're just pummeling them with email. And that's why I started it. I didn't start it because I needed to start a company. I started because I was on a mission. And when we realized that we couldn't fix that mission is when we stopped. That decision of hiring a couple extra engineers didn't affect the end result. Well said. I just told you how I came back from Tokyo and Japan. And I would say one of the biggest differences between the US culture on that trip, and it, like I've realized this before, but it really hit me is folks, at least in Japan, are very much about the present. They don't care about what's going to happen in the future. It's just like they enjoy at that moment. And you could sometimes when you go abroad, you can see it at like the dinner or lunch tables. Like people enjoy each other's companies versus worry about what's going on the next day or the day after. And I think culturally, that's it's not only you. I just think it's, it's people like me and everybody else that listens to this. It's like, hey, enjoy the present moment more than anything else. I agree. I would say one fun thing on that is like I've had life coaches at different points of time. Like Gated came out of a side project that was designed to give me, like I was working on and just hacking it together while I was at Culture Amp. And my life coach was like, yeah, we'll keep working on it, right? Because you're not very good at turning the switch off at 7 p.m. or whatever it is. And so like I always... So like I gated then became that. And so I always tend to try to have, I'm not very good at turning things off. Like I just keep running at them. And so for me, that side project is really valuable. I've got another one right now. I'm always building something. Which is amazing. That's awesome to hear. This has been fantastic. Appreciate for paying it forward and appreciate for being such a good friend. For everybody listening, until next time, be safe, be well, and we'll catch you on the next episode. If your business is earning millions, stop what you're doing and take a listen to what offer NetSuite by Oracle has just rolled out. At my last company, we used NetSuite to have much more visibility to our business in terms of what was working, what was not working, what was coming in, what was going out. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their finances, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and much more. And for the first time, NetSuite is allowing you to defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. There's no payment and no interest for six months. And you can take advantage of this special financing offer today. If you've been sizing NetSuite up to make the switch, then you know the deal is unprecedented. No interest, no payments. Take advantage of this special financing offer at netsuite.com scale. netsuite.com scale to get the visibility and control you need to weather any storm. That is netsuite.com slash scale.